Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dimitri Penenkov. He is the CEO at Emma, and he is a frequent speaker at industry events, including Web Summit, SAS Stock, MPLS Congress, and Mobile World Congress, and also an M and E. MBA lecturer as well. And Emma is a enterprise multi-cloud management application. And Dimitri has assembled a fantastic team of highly skilled professionals to create the world's first end-to-end no-code platform, enabling organizations to leverage the advantages of multi-cloud without the associated complexities and security risks. And uh, Dimitri is also passionate about sports and uh, especially karate and capoeira. Fancy, fancy. So don't mess with Dimitri. All right. So welcome to the gumbo. How are you today? Very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. And also, let's start off. So tell me about the journey of Emma and why was was the company started, I guess, first and foremost? Yeah, thanks for this question. Actually, (laughs) that's that's a really long story, but, but let me try to make it short. So five years back... Uh, I was working for for one big American company covering the um, the sales and the business development in one of the biggest regions in the world. My customers they were like really big corporate accounts, like the huge financial organizations, uh, cloud, cloud service providers, social networks, so all the biggest accounts you can imagine. And we were building the uh, the networking equipment for the data center interconnects. Uh, usually, these customers they um, they usually have the few data centers, few clouds, and they want to to have all these environments connected with each other, and they use the networking switches. And uh, starting from 2018, all these customers they were reaching us out and asking, "Okay, guys, so you're producing the networking equipment, but we need something that works on top of the networking equipment that helps us to manage different environments." Because right now we have a lot of different uh, clouds in use. We have a lot of different applications, services, whatever, and we we don't know how to manage all this stuff. We have a lot of people working with the different accounts. We have a lot of engineers um, who create the new uh, the new accounts at the cloud service providers they use the credit cards of our company and we are overwhelmed with these invoices so please help us and unfortunately these days there were no solutions on the market that could fit into these requirements and that that's that's how I started my own company as myself as a main let's say person working as an engineer, and then yeah, I hired a few guys. We've built a minimum viable prototype, showed it to someone, uh, got a feedback, then we rebuilt it, then again showed it to someone, then then again got a feedback. So we had a lot of these back and forth 
um, interactions with the different customers. But in return, by the end of the day, we got uh, the, the complete feature set that is required for the majority of, of these sort of companies, enterprises. And that will spend like three and a half years in hard development and release the platform in 2021 in November during the Web Summit. So that's uh, the long story short about us. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great story. And, and as you were speaking there, I uh, was, was also thinking about some of the challenges and complexities of managing you know, software infrastructure, hardware infrastructure, so on-premises and also cloud, multi-clouds, all the different CSP vendors, et cetera. And then not to mention all the different applications that companies are, are running today, that it's completely uh, like ludicrous to have a, a team to manage all of the di- digital infrastructure that that's uh, managing these corporations from small to large businesses as well. And so one thing that I, I do want to find out from you, um, just overall, so as customers and organizations move to the cloud and everyone's you know, moving workloads to the cloud, so there's a lot of cloud adoption that's going on right now. And I've even heard the opposite there, that repatriation is happening as well, that people are going from the cloud back to on-premises because they're finding out that the cost of managing large amounts of, of data and workloads and infrastructure and systems in the cloud also can be very costly. So how does your platform, I guess, plug into that overall structure of adopting uh, that cloud journey? So, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And thanks for mentioning this. So, look, we believe that there are two different universes and those universes, they are not connected with each other. So the first universe is a cloud-native universe. So you have all these guys that were born in a the cloud. They use the different cloud service providers. Um, they, they do use these containers, clusters. They know what, what Lambda is, what functions are. So all those things. They, they use the native provider services, uh, et cetera. So on the other hand, um, there is another universe, the legacy universe, uh, the universe of the big guys. These guys, uh, they, they have been hardly investing in the hardware uh, for the decades, those great big companies, even like Apple, right? So they all have their own data centers on premises, whatever uh, environments, legacy applications, and those applications, they are not suitable for the cloud-native technologies. So, for instance, it's really hard to uh, to move the, the legacy Oracle database, for instance, into the Kubernetes cluster. Nearly impossible sometimes. Yeah, and so those two universes, um, they exist. And the interesting thing is that the guys from the second universe, those big enterprises, they understand that sometimes these cloud-native guys they move faster, they acquire customers faster, they get a bigger revenue because they can test the hypothesis faster because they don't need to to buy the servers each time, they don't need to keep this overhead in their environments to scale the workloads if it's a break, Black Friday or whatever, right? So uh, in this sense, these guys from the universe second, uh, second universe, they, they want to, to take the, all the advantages from, from the first guys, 
and they're trying to lift and shift the workloads into the cloud. And this is a perfect scenario for Amazon where we can help them to lift and shift the workloads, even if it's legacy, because we can get the private environment connected to the uh, to Amazon, to and then we do this bridge between the clouds, and we do the migration of the plain VMs, of applications, of any sort of lock, workloads into the cloud. And, and we, we can even scale the workloads where you have the sensitive data in, in, inside your data center and you scale the, the nodes uh, when, when you see this, you know, spikes or the bursts in the traffic where when you, 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 you acquire the new customers. Uh, so this is something that we do for these guys. On the other hand, and you've mentioned this, uh, the cloud native guys, they suddenly realized, okay, the cloud is not that cheap and the cloud is not that simple, right? And they found themselves overspending and they be began to, to, to think, okay, what, what is the next step? So how can we reduce the costs? And the obvious answer here, buy the servers, because, I mean, they, if, if you look at the TCO of, of a cloud, comparing to the TCO of hardware servers for a five years plus period of time, uh, you clearly see that <laughs> servers are cheaper. And for the big companies, like a Basecamp, for instance, Datadog, Snowflake, it is cheaper to switch back into the, the data center hardware instead of being 100% in a cloud. It was an interesting uh, article by Anderson Horowitz uh, where they um, got this information uh, about the cost of revenue for all these software companies like Datadog and Snowflake. And it looks like they, they are spending like 50% of their revenue on the clouds. And that's a huge amount of money they spend. Uh, but in this sense, they have another problem. Okay, you're moving back to, to, to on-premises. But how? Who will help you? What, what kind of a technologies will you be using there? Do you have their playing like Kubernetes? Do you have the functions there? No, you don't. So do you have like AKS, EKS? So all these managed services you, you really love and you really enjoy with AWS, Azure, Google, whomever else. No, you don't. So you need to build this from the scratch and you don't know how to build them because you were using something and right now you don't have that. And the only, uh, let's say, solution that exists there is a VMware. VMware is a, is a king and a god or whatever. And you you would need to, to adopt the VMware. You would need to be locked in to this solution, right? even if it's a VMware Tons or whatever. And in this sense, Emma also is a perfect fit because that's a level of abstraction that helps customers to be like cloud agnostic, stay cloud agnostic. So you can do whatever you want. You can provision all your cloud environments, get all these services connected with each other, scale your, your, your applications the way you want. You want to use the Terraform? Please do. You want to use the Kubernetes on top of like private, public, whatever, hybrid cloud, no problems. So that, that's that's how we have those two, let's say, universes to to evolve. Okay. Yeah. That that's a great explanation. Uh, two different universes, and sometimes I feel 
that the universes are colliding and, and maybe there's a third universe as well where things have gone quantum and the two are intermingled together. And the, the third one actually is one that would take both of those universes and kind of speed that one up into like this hyper quantum, super fast uh, way of operating that that deals with just overall the data, right? And then bringing in artificial intelligence and machine learning to kind of manage all of that under the covers some, some type of way. Uh, but the, the, the question I have for you, you mentioned like lifting and shifting workloads, moving workloads, and also the whole cloud native and Kubernetes and containerized way of doing things as well. What are, what are some of the, or maybe the biggest challenge when it comes to determining which application is, is lifted and shifted that, that you've seen through your conversations with, with some of your customers? So, look, this is an interesting and a difficult question at the same time. Because uh, you, you do the migrations rarely. You don't do the migrations every single day, right? Uh, you do the migrations for the specific purposes and for the specific applications. And actually, if you have any other option but the migration, you would stick with this other option. Because, um, again, so you need to, to be sure that when you migrate something, that would be deployed the way it worked before, that your customers, no matter if, if it is like internal customers or... Uh, if the customers are like external customers, paid users, whomever else, that they can get all the benefits out of these applications the same way they got it before. So for, for these specific reasons, we had a few sorts of the migrations. So first of all, uh, we can do the migrations based on the Kubernetes, whatever stuff. And our networking backbone, we, we actually have uh, have the networking backbone that connects physically the clouds with each other. So we have our network. And this network really helps to like scale the workloads, to migrate the workloads between the providers, to, to migrate the applications uh, in the containers or like Kubernetes clusters. Is that's, that in, that's the easy one. Is that in all, all yeah. public yeah. clouds, AWS, Azure, and GCP? Yeah, we do support AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, DigitalOcean, Alibaba Cloud. We do support the local European providers. So we are based in Luxembourg, so definitely we do support the, the, the local providers. And we do support the VMware uh, public clouds, and we do support the VMware as a private cloud, so meaning the vSphere. So, yeah, we do support all those. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, again. Yeah. Uh, and... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't migrate the, the, the containers and the clusters. That's, that's the easy one. One of the most difficult cases uh, is where you have the bare metal server with the legacy application or you have the VM with the legacy application and in your private cloud. And you need to somehow migrate it into the public cloud to get all the benefits of a cloud, right? Because that's maybe cheaper for you. And in this sense, we have invented the engine that migrates those legacy workloads, those legacy applications with the entire VM 
into the cloud or between the clouds sometimes if you need that. And that's the different story. This is something that we have invented uh, and it works uh, on behalf of our customers and really helps them. But again, that's not the most common use case and you prefer to do anything else instead of doing these migrations. And so it has to be on a virtual machine though, on on premises already. It could be it could be the bare metal, it could be the, the virtual machine. Uh, I mean the, the easy one with the cluster container or whatever. Awesome. That sounds like um like a a magic magic solution. <laughs> you you should have people beating down your door to kind of help out with, with this. Also one other one other question I have for you as well is that as you see the the entire industry shifting and changing just overall with the trends that are happening right now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, AI and ML is like really hot right now. Everyone's talking about artificial intelligence and, and security. I, I guess AI has slightly knocked security off of its pedestal. More people are talking about AI now than they are talking about security. And maybe it's neck and neck now as well but what what are some of the trends that you are seeing as you continue to have conversations about uh, where the workloads are running and all the different types of uh, applications and data that that uh, individual companies are are actually using um, on their environments so I prefer to to be quite uh, you know conservative here so first of all Sometimes what we call AI is not AI in the sense of, uh, of what this application is capable to, to do, right? Because artificial intelligence is a bit bigger than just a machine learning algorithm and is significantly bigger than just logistics regression or something that, that lies uh, in, the, in, the, in the bottom of, of the technology, right? Uh, so in the most cases, even the most famous cases you, you can mention right now, it's not the AI, it's a machine learning algorithm in most of these cases. Uh, definitely those tools, they are supportive. And uh, definitely if you're um, a networking or security or cloud professional, uh, you, you can get all the benefits using these machine learning algorithms or if we want to call it AI, let's call it AI, um, on behalf of your company, your project, your application, whatever. So it definitely streamlines a lot of operations and processes, especially with, with, the, um, with all these plugins, add-ons, whatever you can get uh, on top of these algorithms. What we see on the other side of, of the moon of this trend, right, let's say, as far as we are using, all are using those algorithms, those algorithms, they became bigger, becoming bigger, right? And these algorithms, they are using the hardware that exists in a specific data centers. So they utilize the GPU accelerators, they utilize the server capacities, so they utilize all these resources. And unfortunately, there's a huge lack of these resources on the market right now. And what we see is the beginning of a, let's say, of a cold, cold winter where we will be 
fighting with each other, especially these AI startups, they will be fighting with each other for those resources. Because, have a look, the biggest models, they are developed by the biggest companies right now, right? So Google, Microsoft, uh, Facebook. So these guys, they, they are developing these products. And definitely they have the capacities. And definitely they, they are doing whatever, uh, even Tesla, uh, they, they are doing whatever it takes to get those resources for their models because it's the most important thing right now for everyone. So imagine there is the, 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 the vendor like NVIDIA who produces those GPU accelerators. So how do you think? Uh, who will get the most of those GPU resources and accelerators? Not, a, not an AI startup, yeah. right? But the right. Microsoft and the, the other big guys. guys. Yeah, and, and, and what, what, what should all these guys, I mean, the smaller companies and all, all of us, what should we do in this sense? The only thing that appears in my mind uh, when, I, when I'm describing this is to go like cloud and resource agnostic where you can get the certain piece of the, let's say, GPU accelerator from one provider, second provider, third provider, then you can aggregate those pieces with each other, build in the single logical GPU accelerator for your workloads. That's what we see as an upcoming trend. So the lack of resources that would drive people to, 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 to find the to look to start looking for the solutions uh, to to so you know to get the remaining smaller pieces of the environments from the different uh, service providers. Let's call it like this. Awesome, awesome. That's uh, I, I like that a, a cold cold winter for uh, <laughs> for for the cloud industry. Maybe uh, yeah. and, and go ahead. Not 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 only for the cloud industry, but I mean for the entire technology industry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And let, let's begin to, to wrap up. And I, I've enjoyed this conversation. And also, I ask most of the guests that I have on the show, uh, I'm super interested in, in learning. Uh, so what, what, are you, what are you reading uh, nowadays, Dimitri? So look, I, I read a lot, uh, a lot of different books. And I saw that you have this is marketing. Here is the top book there uh, on the table. And uh, that, that this is a good one. But my favorite book is, is The Hard Thing About the Hard Things. Uh, ben Horowitz wrote this book. It's one of the best books I, I have ever read. And uh, this is something I would suggest to, to everyone. Uh, I mean, especially the entrepreneurs, startuppers, start or anyone who, who wants to understand what it feels to to build something awesome I, I appreciate that that book recommendation as well and uh, one one final call out for you uh, how can gumbo listeners get access to Emma so it's super easy they can go directly to our web page it's emma.ms uh, there is a sign in button sign up button so they can sign up leave the details, uh, get an access uh, to our platform and get a 50 cloud credits, which is equivalent of $50 or euros. It depends where your listeners are. 
and yeah, they can start using Amor right away. No any restrictions, nothing. So that just works. Well, awesome. And also before I close out, uh, everyone out there listening as well, please make sure you go out to LinkedIn and check out our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. There are over 25,000 like-minded professionals uh, there within that group. It's one that I run, that I created as well. And also, uh, please feel free to go out to Apple Podcast and leave a review for us as well. And we also have some videos on on YouTube as well. So go go check those videos out. And actually, I, I did record a podcast and have a YouTube video out there with David Hanemeyer Hansen. I'm sure you've heard of him before, Dimitri, and he's like a big big spokesperson for repatriation because uh, he runs base camp in Hay and they have moved a lot of their workloads from the cloud back to on-premises. So uh, that that's a big conversation that's going on as well. So Dimitri, thank you so much for... We had a recent yeah. conversation with him. Oh, you yeah. did? Ah, well, maybe we should have talked about that. Yeah, yeah, we had a rec- recent conversation with him. Yeah, when, when they announced uh, they are shifting back from, from the cloud. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe we can do a future episode on on that conversation or or, or, or how that went. <laughs> All right. So um, thanks for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo and uh, all the listeners out there. Until next time, uh, continue to back up your workloads and uh, stay secure as well. So thanks for listening in.